You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is Andy Sewell, and you're listening to Profiles in CRM. Welcome to Profiles in CRM, episode 19. I'm your host, Chris Webster. Profiles in CRM asks CRM professionals eight simple questions. The answers vary wildly depending on their experience and education. Because of the nature of contract archaeology and how small this field really is, some people choose not to reveal their name or the company they work for. Stay to the end of the show to hear how you can have a chance to answer these same questions. Okay, we're here on Profiles, and here's the first question. What is your name, and who do you work for? My name is Andy Sewell, and I work for Hardline's Design Company in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, and how long have you been working in CRM? About 16 years now. 16 years, nice. Okay, and so this question might be overly complicated, but we'll see. Uh, what is the position you usually have in CRM, and what is the highest position you've attained? And I, I just mean like field tech through you know, principal investigator. Okay, well, actually, it's a fairly easy question to answer. It's principal investigator for both. I've been a principal investigator with Hardline since 2001, so I'm one of those guys who... Uh, who um my I should kind of explain how that happened is when I went to school and got my BA, my uh, professor told me, of course, when we're talking about jobs, is like, if you're gonna get a job in archaeology, you need a master's degree. No mention of field techs or even CRM didn't exist apparently according to him. Right. So I basically one of those guys <laughs> who went and went off and you know got a got a master's and then started looking for work. So I actually never I was one of those guys who never did any field teching, but. I was fortunate enough to have field schools where they taught you everything from shovel, shovel testing to unit drawing, profile drawing, and I had worked with guys who had extensive experience in CRM. So although I'd never field teched, I had a lot of respect for that field. And then my first job out of college, out of um, out of grad school, I should say, was working with um, Steve Wagner, Stephen Wagner at a Fort McCoy. Yeah. So that kind of introduced me to that, the world of CRM there. So I worked with him for a couple of years. Well, you couldn't have had a better teacher. I like Stephen. He's uh, obviously on the CRM Archaeology podcast with me, and we've had a, a lot of discussions about CRM. Um, you know, that's interesting, too. I'll just make another comment. My first introduction into CRM was in the Southeast, and down there, it was, I would say, more common than not to meet people that went high school, bachelor's, master's, project manager. And um, that just seemed to be the way things were done down there, uh, which was a real eye-opening experience when I came out to Nevada and found out that it's not necessarily the case out here. Um, you know, people people generally do some field checking before they either go back for their master's or actually you can be a principal investigator out here without actually having a master's. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a different world entirely, of course. All right. So we've heard a couple places, but where in total, uh, where's all the places you have worked? What states have you worked in? Okay. Well, states I've worked in, let's start from the beginning, was Michigan. Um, I'm from Michigan, so I work and I got my degrees in Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, obviously with Steve at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. I came down to Ohio in 2001 and from there, um, we had a contract with the Navy. And so we ended up doing a lot of work in the Southeast actually. So I've worked in Georgia, South Carolina, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, um, and then recently we've been working more on the East coast. So Rhode Island and, uh, I'll work in Maryland, uh, did some work in Pennsylvania, um, and some work uh, out in, uh, 
Massachusetts as well. I'm trying to think. Oh, Kentucky. Worked in Kentucky. Um, did a little a brief job in Missouri. Didn't do too much there. But yeah, so basically, if it's the eastern half of the United States, I've touched many of the states, but somewhere or another. You get to learn that there there isn't uh, there isn't just one way to do things. I've, I've worked for people that worked only for one company, which normally isn't that big a deal. But in the big states out here, you can work for one company and never leave the state. And you don't get to see that variability and there's there's more than one way to record an archaeological site yeah i find there is many ways to do to record sites as there are states <laughs> at least <laughs> okay. at least right okay, to, each, each state does it slightly different or very different so yeah exactly exactly but funny thing they're all recording the same information all right so here uh, the last four questions are um somewhat more interesting so what is the best thing that's happened to you that's related to being an archaeologist? And this can be anything from, you know, professional or personal or, you know, whatever you would consider the best thing that happened to you that wouldn't have happened had you not gone into archaeology. Okay, well, I can kind of touch on both aspects because I think obviously if I hadn't gotten into the field, and if I hadn't gone to CRM archaeology, I would never accepted a job in Columbus, Ohio, and I never met my wife. You know, so obviously that's one nice. of the best things. Uh, but the best thing directly related to CRM would probably be the fact I have the opportunity to work in a wide variety of different places and different types of archaeological sites. And that's something that maybe if I'd gone into academia, I probably would be limited to just working on historical sites, industrial sites, where I went to grad school for. But now, I, I mean, I get a chance to work on middle of woodland popol sites. I get a chance to work on late archaic sites. And, you know, I get to work on, you know, and then the historic sites I get to work on, like... My last job in Massachusetts, we were working on a site in Salem, and so we were finding things that dated all the way back to the 1600s. So it was, I mean, wow. It was, you know, I, I don't know if I would ever have that opportunity outside of CRM. Right. That's a, that's a good point, and it, it's nice that you've worked all over the place and have had that uh, wide variety of experience. It's a really good example of the, the benefit you can get from CRM. Yes. All right, we're here with Jordan Harbinger from theartofcharm.com again, and we're going to talking about the Art of Charm podcasts. And over the last month, we've had some people write in and comment about the Art of Charm, and they want to know a little more about it. So, Jordan, can you tell us a little more about what they can find on your podcasts? Yeah, absolutely. I know that the term sort of like networking and relationship development is all vague and everything. So, basically, we focus on a lot of things, very broad topics. Our toolkits are focused on things like body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, business networking, negotiation, relationship management, etc. But we also branch into other topics like I had a guy on the show named Brad Salas, a guest, and he talked about millennials and how they can relate to their bosses better, uh, their boomer bosses, and how boomer bosses can relate to the new millennials better. Because as you can see in workplaces, those are guys are butting heads and it's kids are so dumb these days and it's old people don't get it. And it's just like, if we can bridge that gap, we can be more productive. So we gave a lot of practical exercises and steps to use that. We've also talked about how to burn fat while you're working with weird things like treadmill desks and being cold while you're working in the office to burn calories while you're just sort of being you working all day. And we, we cover hundreds of other things, but those are two kind of concrete examples of it. Hey, and these are real world things you can use. I've actually turned the temperature down in my home office because of that podcast uh, about just being cold because it's something you can do that's easy. Yeah, and there's plenty of guys out there listening to the show who bought these weird ice vests and they're sitting there freezing right now, but, you know, losing weight doing it. So we're weirdos, but we assume we're in good company. 
That's right. Well, you can check out more from The Art of Charm at theartofcharm.com, and you can check out the podcasts on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and everywhere you download podcasts. Thank you. Let's see. What is the biggest thing you would change that would make being a CRM archaeologist better? Mm, Well, thinking really big would be to have a higher degree of value placed on the archaeological record across the country. So that, you know, things like SHPOs are fully funded and proactively working to uphold archaeological standards, and that CRM components of projects are adding valuable, valuable information and preserving historic resources are seen as a desired end product of the entire endeavor of a project, of a project instead of something you have to do because otherwise you might lose a federal funding or your permit or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be a, it would be nice if we were seen as, because obviously, and so some it's not like that across all projects, but we've all worked on projects where, you know, the project owner will come and say, "So is this really worth however much money he's paying you?" Because <laughs> obviously he doesn't. <laughs> I've had that happen to me. <laughs> so right, right. So what is your career goal in CRM? Are you uh, are you where you want to be, or do you eventually want to own a company or or something else? I'm I'm pretty. Pretty happy where I am. I guess I'm not right now. I don't really view it as having a goal, but rather a journey. And the journey is to keep doing high quality work while expanding my experience and learning more about archaeology, different parts of archaeology, and of course making a wage that supports my family. But um, that's also important. But I've, I mean, I've paid a lot of attention work like to how the company works. And enough to know that is not something I would like to do on my own, <laughs> because I would, I would <laughs> rapidly come to realization that I would probably not be doing very much archaeology at all if I was running a company. Yeah. Because you'd be running a company of your primary job, and then you'd end up having to hire people to do the archaeology. <laughs> so if I still want to go out and stick my fingers in the dirt every now and again, you know, I, I think I'm at the position I need to be in. <laughs> That's a good insight. I, I talked to a lot of people, uh, and I was, I was one of them, you know, think, well, if I really want to do things right, I, I need to start my own company. But I, I think the thing is finding a company that meshes well with the way you work and your work style, because you're totally right. You don't get to do more and better archaeology by owning the company. Um, by being a principal investigator or a project manager, you do get all those aspects, but you don't have to worry about a lot of the uh, non-archaeological business aspect of it, which is a, a blessing, I think. Exactly. All right. Last question. Uh, and given your uh, the way you got into this field and your work experience, we'll see how you answer this. Uh, if you could give an undergrad thinking about CRM as a career, uh, CRM archaeology in specific, um, one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say that you should be able to diversify what you can do. I think a well-rounded CRM professional, whether it's a field tech or a crew chief or a PI, should be someone who can do the archaeology, but can also is produce well-written documents. You know, they're able to communicate well and then and manage budgets. If you can do all those things, I think you you can probably find yourself a good spot in the field somewhere. Um, one of the things I really would stress is really work on communication skills because that's one of the things we seem to have a big challenge with in archaeology in general is communicating our findings to the public and the value of what we do. And I think if we could do a much better job of that, we may 
be able to raise the um, inherent value society puts on what we do. And uh, maybe we wouldn't be shoved off down to the very bottom of the consultant list. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's why I would, that's, that would be my advice to a young CRM professional. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found on the Archaeology Podcast Network website at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash profiles. At that page, you'll also find a form that you can fill out so you can be interviewed on the show. Interviews take less than 30 minutes and you don't need any special equipment. Thanks for listening and I'll see you in the field. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.